Did Paul the Apostle condemn philosophy? Did Paul himself use philosophy? We'll find out today on this edition of the Bellator Christie Podcast. You are listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by bellatorchristie.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. Taking out the sword of Christian theology and the shield of classic apologetics while taking Christian truth into the arena of ideas. This is yours truly, Brian Chilton, and we thank you for joining us today on the Bellator Christie Podcast. Hope you're doing well, and we want to remind you that the Bellator Christie Podcast is a production of bellatorchristie.com. I hope you go check out the website. Uh, There you can find uh, different links to several different things, uh, uh, things linked uh, to theology, things linked to apologetics, a lot of a lot of discussions have gone on with the issue of uh, of um, divine sovereignty and human freedom, how they go together. There's a lot of great stuff over there, uh, written not only by myself but others, including Dr. Dan Merritt, who recently wrote a wonderful piece talking about uh, the the masculine terms for God and the distinctions uh, that are made uh, in the masculine terms as opposed to feminine pagan gods or goddesses in that case in uh, antiquity. So go check it out. Uh, while you're there, we hope you'll subscribe. And uh, and by doing so, uh, you'll receive all the articles and links to these very podcasts uh, in your inbox. And the best part of it all is that it's absolutely free. And so we'll help you take advantage of that. want to let you know that uh, we do have an official release month uh, for my first book that I've written, The Layman's Manual on Christian Apostles. Apologetics. It's due out December of this year, December of 2019, so uh, it should be available not only on withandstock.com, uh, but once it's released, it'll be available at all major bookstores everywhere, including amazon.com. So uh, we hope you'll get your copy. I'm also looking for uh, some individuals to be part of my launch team. And uh, what you'll do is if you're part of the launch team, uh, you'll receive a, a discount uh, for the book through Whiff and Stock. And, um, and there may be some other promotional things that come along that I'll share with you. To be honest, this is the first time I've ever uh, published a book, so this is all brand new to me. But uh, if I receive anything from them, I'll, I'll certainly pass it along uh, to our book uh, launch team members. Uh, and one of the benefits of being part of the book, book launch team is that you're part of also a Facebook group. And so you're the very first people to know if you're part of this launch team. You're the very first people to know uh, the uh, the. Uh, information the latest on the book i share it with the book launch team members before i share it with anyone well maybe with the exception of my wife and family but uh, outside of my wife and family uh, the book launch team is the first to know so i uh, hope you we've got 20 spots we can take up to 50 people 
And the only thing you need to do, many people have asked me, what do you do to be part of a book launch team? You just simply share the information on your social media pages, letting people know about the book, and uh, also to share an honest yet positive review. I mean, when I say positive, if you hate the book, you don't have to say that I loved it. Uh, be honest about it, but don't say, well, Brian Chilton's just um, the stupidest person I've ever seen before. I mean, be on- be positive about it. Be upbeat about it, uh, but certainly be honest. And so uh, we just encourage you, if you haven't taken part of that, of this, uh, that yet and are interested, that you go sign up. Now, you do need to sign up. Uh, just being part of the Facebook community uh, doesn't make you necessarily an official part of the book launch team. You have to go through uh, the um, the uh, form that's found on bellatorchristie.com. Fill out that form. What that does is it gives me your email address, and so all the coupons, all the things of that nature will be sent by the emails I have on the list. So uh, it's important to go through the website if you're interested in being part of the book launch team. And so I'm excited about this. This is the first time I've ever published a book. Didn't think I ever would be able to publish a book. So I'm excited about this and uh, just excited to see what God will do with this. After I get through the PhD program, I hope to do this a lot. <laughs> Let me just tell you, I hope to publish a lot more books to come. And so this has been a very fun, very exciting process and something that I hope will continue in the years ahead. And so we're just, again, glad you're along with us for the ride. Let me get to the topic at hand. I want to talk today a little bit about philosophy. And uh, a lot of times people think uh, that Paul condemns philosophy the use of philosophy. However, not only do we see that that's not the case, we see that Paul quite frequently quotes from philosophers even in the Scripture themselves. Uh, and so I'm going to show, I, I came across a website that actually lays this out, and I want to use some material from this website as we discuss this issue and see that Paul quotes several philosophers even more than I even imagined uh, that he did. Um, but so let's, let's, let's confront the issue of philosophy. So when we talk about philosophy, uh, w- what are we talking about? We're talking about the love of wisdom, uh, the love of knowledge, uh, the, the phileo, meaning love, and logia, meaning knowledge or logic, um, and it mean, can mean word as, it, as it's meant in uh, John chapter 1. And so many people will read Colossians chapter 2 verse 8, which says this. It says, uh, let's just go ahead and read this verse. It says, be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy. So many people read that and say, well, Paul must be against philosophy, so I too must be against philosophy to follow the Bible. Well, as in all things, uh, I, I, th- I think context is king. <laughs> when, the, the, the three most important things when it comes to biblical interpretation are context, context, context. Those are the three most important things. When I am no Greek scholar, but whenever I took Greek courses through Liberty University, that's the one thing that was drilled into us that to in, to translate texts, context is king. To interpret the Bible, context is king. So let's go back first and read this passage of Scripture in the context. So this comes from the book of Colossians chapter 2. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. 
and uh, the official translation that I that I use at least on BellatorChristi.com, uh, and it's also the translation that'll be used in the layman's manual on Christian apologetics coming out this December. So Paul is is confronting a Colossian heresy. That's that's one of the first things we have to understand. Okay, so. So let, let's just read this. Let, let's go back to the very first verse in Colossians chapter 2. He says, For I want you to know how greatly I am struggling for you, for those in Laodicea, and for all those who have not seen me in person. So Paul's heart goes out to the Colossians and to the Laodiceans. I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all the riches of complete understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery which is Christ. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So this is almost like a philosophical concept here as well. Paul is in essence showing that Jesus is like John does in John chapter 1, the physical manifestation of divine wisdom because in Christ are found all the treasures of, of wisdom and knowledge. Okay, So he goes on to say in verse 4, I am saying this so that no one will deceive you. So what is he talking about? What is this topic of conversation for this section? It is so that the Colossians would not be deceived by false arguments, by false accusations, claiming that Christ was not whom he claimed to be or claiming some other truth outside of Christ. There was some heretical movement going on in Colossae and they were being taken away uh, from it or away from it. So, and, and so I think we're told uh, what this is as we move forward. So I'm saying these things so, so that no one will deceive you with arguments and sound uh, sound reasonable, uh, or that sound reasonable. Uh, no one will deceive you with arguments that sound reasonable, okay? Here again, he's not arguing against reason. He's not arguing against argumentation. He is arguing against false heresies, or, or heresies. He's arguing against false claims. He goes on to say, For I may be absent in body, but I am with you in spirit rejoicing to see how well-ordered you are and the strength of your faith in Christ. Okay, so we go in verse 6. So then, just as you have received Christ, Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him, continue in your faith that you received from the very beginning, being rooted, he says, and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught and overflowing with gratitude. Go back to the basics and remember... Remember those truths that set you free. Remember those truths of Christ that you learned from the very beginning, is what Paul is saying. Okay, so uh, now he goes in verse 8 to say this. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition. Okay, back in verse 4. Let's connect this together. Paul says, "Let no one." Uh, I say these things so that no one will deceive you with arguments that sound reasonable, false arguments that sound reasonable. Verse eight: Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition. The people in Colossae were not trained in philosophy as Paul was. Okay, he's warning them. 
not everything that sounds reasonable is true. Okay, uh, some people can be argued into things. Uh, th- let's just let's face it. There are some people that could sell um, that that could sell uh, an igloo to someone living in the uh, could could sell anyone anyone they, they could sell an igloo to an Eskimo when it, when the Eskimo already had an igloo already, or that they they can sell lakefront property to someone living in the middle of the desert. To put it in a, in a better terms, they they could sell anything to anyone. There are some people that charismatic and that persuasive that they can dupe people into unreasonable things, but make it sound very reasonable. And pro- probably the lakefront property in the middle of the desert was a better <laughs> illustration comparison than the igloo to the Eskimo. Uh, but but some people are just that that good. Okay. So Paul is saying, be careful that no one takes you captive, not that philosophy is bad, but through philosophy and empty deceit. He's ta- not arguing against philosophy. He's arguing against bad philosophy, okay? And empty deceit. What is this philosophy and empty deceit based on? On what is it based? It is based on, he says, human tradition, okay? The elements of the world based on the elements of the world rather than Christ. So human tradition implies human origin as opposed to the divine nature of the world. Elements of the world were most likely uh, astral deities, spirits, angels. This is all associated with astrology, uh, paganism, and magical practices. So there were these false religions uh, these false philosophies that were influencing the people of Colossae and Laodicea. And Paul is saying, just because it may sound reasonable does not mean it's true. Okay, Base your faith on what comes from God and not what comes from man. For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. And you have been filled by Him who is the head over every ruler and authority, Okay, so so you can make this sound if you if you're going to twist it out of context that he's talking against rulers and authorities that he's talking about against government, but that's not what he's saying. He says Christ is the head over every ruler and authority, and so he goes on to talk about uh, how God is going to through Christ disarm rulers and authorities and uh, disgrace them publicly. He triumphed over them. So he goes on to say in verse sixteen. Connecting this back to verse uh, 8, Therefore, don't let anyone judge you in regard to food or drink or in the matters of a festival or a new moon or Sabbath day. These are a shadow of what is of, of what uh, was to come. The substance of is Jesus or Christ. Let no one condemn you by delighting in aesthetic practices and the worship of angels claiming access to the visionary realm. Such people are inflated by empty notions of unscriptural of their unscriptural mind. He doesn't hold to their head, but from whom the whole body, nourished and held together by its ligaments and tendons, grows in with growth from God. He says, if you died with Christ to the elements of this world, why do you live as if you belong to this world? Why do you not submit to re- why do you submit to regulations? Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. All these regulations refer to what is destined to perish by being used up. They are human commands and doctrines. Although these have a reputation for wisdom by promoting self-made religion, false humility, and severe treatment of the body, they are not of any value in curbing curbing self-indulgence. So, 
I read essentially the entire chapter of Colossians chapter 2. Keeping this in context, Paul is no more dismissing philosophy than he is dismissing government or that he is dismissing the universe. Paul is talking about bad philosophy, bad religion, worshiping things created rather than worshiping the Creator. That's what he's saying. He's warning them not to be taken away by false philosophies. But Paul himself uses philosophy quite a bit in his letters. And that's why Peter said uh, in Second uh, Peter 3, 15 and 16 that some of the things that Paul writes are difficult, hard to understand. Well, the reason is is because Paul was trained in philosophy. Paul knew philosophy. And Paul was a very intelligent man. I mean, if there's one thing I've learned is that Paul is exceptional in his insight, in his wisdom, and in his logic. Jesus is the same way, even more so. Jesus pulls out tremendous uses of logic throughout his teachings and messages. And so I, I believe there's a reason why God called Paul to minister because Paul was classically trained. Paul knew philosophy. And this is evident in his work. 1 Corinthians 15.33, Paul quotes a work by Menander, uh, a writer from the 3rd century B.C., uh, who uh, quotes from another uh, philosopher, uh, scholar by the name of Euripides, uh, but evil communications corrupt good manners or bad character uh, uh, or, or bad company corrupts good character, something like that. Uh, but 1 Corinthians 15.33, Titus 1.2, the Cretans are always liars, beasts, evil beasts, and slow bellies. And this uh, is taken from Epimenides, uh, so who Paul, whom Paul calls one of themselves a prophet of their own. Um, Acts 17, verses 24 to 29, Paul is encountered by the Epicureans and Stoics, and in this passage of Scripture, uh, he, he quotes Roman Stoic philosopher Lucius Ananias Seneca, and uh, and uh, it mentions him. Acts seventeen twenty four says God dwells not in temples made with hand. This actually uh, comes from a uh, Seneca, the most prominent contemporary rep- representative of Stoicism. Okay, uh, who says the whole world is not is the temple of the mortal gods, and temples are not to be built of God or to God of stones piled on high. He must be consecrated in the heart of every man. Paul says, God dwells not in temples made with hands, quoting Seneca, reaching out to the people because they knew Seneca as well. Uh, he also quotes Seneca in uh, Acts 17, uh, 25, Neither is God served by men's hands as if he needed anything, so on and so forth. Paul again quotes Seneca in Acts 17, 26-28. Um, he also quotes um, the... Uh, for we are all also his offspring, Acts seventeen twenty eight. This is a uh, he quotes from certain of your prophets. He's talking about a prophet by the name of Aratus, uh, and so he quotes from them. Uh, Paul also quotes again from Seneca in Acts seventeen twenty nine. Uh, he he also quotes or paraphrases Aristotle. Aristotle says, Against such there is no law, for they themselves are a law. Romans 2.14, Paul says, Against such there is no law. Is that very similar? Very similar indeed. 
In 1 Corinthians 9.24, Paul perhaps uh, mentions or, or implies something mentioned by Plato. Plato says, But uh, such as are true racers arriving at their end, both receive the prizes and are crowned. Paul says, Know ye not that they run in a race, uh, in a race run all, one receives the prize. Uh, Paul also may have had a reference to Plato in Romans 7, 22 and 23. Uh, he also may have had another Plato uh, reference in, in uh, Philippians three nineteen, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. This is very uh, um, similar to something that Plato writes in the Republic. Uh, Plato also warns of two of individuals being carnally minded, and that that brought about death. Paul makes reference to this in Romans eight five and Galatians six eight, Second uh, Corinthians four four. Uh, Paul uh, seems to have a uh, um, a connection to. Uh, let's see here. Uh, okay, that may be a connection to Plato there as well. Philippians one twenty one, Plato says that and now is death like this. I say that uh, to die is gain. Paul says, for to me to live is Christ and die is gain. So he's Christianizing some of these philosoph- philosoph- philosophic works. Plato says that the hour of departure has arrived and we go our ways. I to die and you to live, which is better. God only knows. This actually is uh, probably coming. Uh, I'm not sure if that's from Socrates or from Plato, but anyhow, Paul says, uh, I am now ready to be offered, and my, the time of my departure is at hand to be with Christ, which is far better. 1 Corinthians 13, 12, there's a reference uh, to Plato in seeing through a glass darkly, but then face to face. 1 Thessalonians 5, 15, see that none render evil uh, for, to evil for any man. And Plato says something similar to that. Socrates in the Apology 21D, uh, mentions uh, something very similar to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 8.2, that if anyone thinks he knows anything, he knows nothing, yet as he ought to know. Uh, Plato says, uh, what, but uh, necessity was laid upon me, the word of God I thought ought to be considered first, 1 Corinthians 9.16, for necessity is laid upon me, uh, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Uh, so he, there's another quote in reference to Plato in Acts 14:15, uh, another one in 2 Corinthians 7:2. There's another reference to Socrates uh, in Romans 12:4. Again, Christianizing the philosophy. He's not. It's not as if he's accepting this philosophy blindly, but he is using this as a means to reach out to Gentile audiences and showing them the truth of Christ. He's, he's Christianizing these, these things and not uh, just simply quoting from philosophers. So he also has another reference to Socrates um, in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 25. So, again, if you think that Paul is against philosophy, th- then, then why in the world did Paul use philosophy so much in his writings? It, it would make Paul's ministry at the very heart of it, become self-defeating. But Paul is not against philosophy. Paul is against bad philosophy. That's the thing. Paul is not against philosophy. He's not against theology. But he's against bad theology. He's against bad philosophy. It's for that reason, I think, that Paul 
mentions this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 5 and following. He says, For we, although we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh, since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are powerful through God. For the demolition of strongholds, we demolish arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ, and we are ready to punish any disobedience once your obedience is complete. So that's what Christian philosophy does. It, and that's what apologetics does. It tries to take every thought captive, putting it under the microscope and even sometimes the telescope of God's Word to see the truth as it truly is. Philosophy is not bad, just like theology is not bad. But bad philosophy, bad theology is bad. And that's why we need to have people trained in the Word of God, but also trained in these philosophical, logical means so that they can understand. Also trained theologically. We must have good theological students out there. We must have good theological exegetes out there interpreting the Word of God, rightly handling the Word of God so that we will stay true to the faith that the earliest church held. That's the faith that came from the historical Christ who is the very same as the historical Jesus. So, beloved, that is our encouragement to you, that you take every thought captive as you go forth and learn more about God's Word and go make a difference in the world around you, in your little slice of uh, planet Earth and the place where God has planted you. As Greg Kokel says, I also say to you, go give someone heaven today. Thank you again for listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast. This is Brian Chilton saying God bless, and we'll see you back the next time that we step into the arena. You've been listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by bellatorchristie.com. The opinions of our guests represent their own and may not reflect those of Bellator Christie Ministries or its affiliates. The Bellator Christie Podcast and BellatorChristie.com are protected under Creative Commons copyright, all rights reserved. The opening theme is the song Crucified, written by John and Michaela Limanis, performed by Crosby Lane and produced by Mansion Entertainment. Be sure to visit our YouTube page at www.youtube.com forward slash Also, please consider leaving a positive review on the apps where this podcast is found. We thank you for joining us today and hope to see you back the next time that we step into the arena of ideas. Did you know that you can help the Bellator Christian Ministries by simply leaving a review? If you are enjoying this podcast, help us out by leaving a positive review on the app where this podcast is found. This helps increase the exposure of the podcast and helps others find it more easily. If you enjoy this podcast, leave a review. If not, send me an email. Either way, we want to thank you for supporting BellatorChristie.com and the Bellator Christie Podcast. 
Are you interested in apologetics but don't have the time and resources to go to seminary or Bible college? Do you often feel that apologetic materials are academic, weighty, and difficult to comprehend? If that describes you, then the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics, Bridging the Ivory Tower to the Everyday Christian, is for you. My driving force in writing this first book of mine is both a passion for apologetics and compassion for the laity of the church. The Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics engages a broad swath of apologetic material, but does so in a way that everyone can relate by the inclusion of personal stories, anecdotes, and down-home humor. So whether you desire training in apologetics or whether you want a one-stop resource, be sure to pick up your copy of the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics. Stay tuned for further information concerning the release of the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics by logging on to bellatorchristi.com or by listening to the Bellator Christi podcast. We'll have more information as it becomes available. Stay tuned for the release of the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics, coming to bookstores everywhere very soon. Do you want to be part of the book launch team for the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics? The Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics is the first book that I have written. It is due to be published December of 2019. Book launch team members are asked to post information about the book and its release date on their social media pages. In return, book launch team members will receive a 40% discount from Stock Publishers for the print copy of the book and will be able to purchase the Kindle version for $2.99. I am looking for 50 individuals to be part of this team. Spots are limited and filling up quickly. If you would like to be part of the team, go over to bellatorchristi.com and submit the application which is found at the top of the page. We thank you for your support and be looking for the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics this December at bookstores everywhere.